Welcome, everybody, to the Shop Notes Podcast. Uh, I am Logan, and I am joined today by John. Today is the John and Logan Show, since Phil is not here. So we're going to see what us two idiots are doing today. So thanks for checking it out. This episode of the Shop Notes Podcast is brought to you by Woodsmith Magazine. Woodsmith Magazine has been the trusted source for all your woodworking information for over 40 years. From tips and techniques to furniture projects to shop projects. You'll find it all at Woodsmith Magazine. Subscribe today at woodsmith.com. Sorry I call us idiots. <laughs> yeah. No, I get it. They don't They don't let us, just the two of us, do much together. We're no. like the two class clowns. They don't sit next to each other <laughs> in class. They're like on opposite. Like one sit yeah. next to the teacher. The other one's on the other side of the, you know. You just don't put them together because they get in exactly. trouble. Exactly. And, I mean, there's probably a good reason for that. Yeah. You know, but you so, notice I'm back in my shop. Yeah, I know. Good. <clears throat> it's yeah, she's getting clean. Uh, and to be completely fair, completely transparent, I have a guest coming to stay next week with me. So I've been cleaning the house, <laughs> which is what I'm doing this afternoon. Yep. And that included cleaning up the shop since I'm uh, I'm actually getting the carpets cleaned tomorrow. And I had. So for the last couple of weeks, my, she's probably last month, my shop has been covered in blue sawdust from turning a bunch of turkey calls that were dyed blue. And it was just like, mm. it was like staining the carpet. I'm like, I, I know if I yeah. don't get it clean, I'm going to drag blue throughout the floor. So, hmm. yeah. Yep. Yeah. My shop right now. <clears throat> The last time I looked is I had sidewalk, sidewalk chalk on the floor and a half blown up kiddie pool. And yeah. it's just that time of year where stuff's coming in and out of the garage, tripping over scooters cats and, water. and bikes. Yeah. Oh. Cats. Yeah. Yeah. Kitty pool. Is that what you said? Oh, kitty, kitty pool. pool. I think they, yeah. I think cats like, water. yeah, they hate it. Yeah. So, yeah. That's fun though. So, I got a question for you, John. And this yep. is a kind of a tie-in to my next editor letter that I wrote uh, yesterday for the next issue of Popular Woodworking Magazine. And shameless plug there. Uh, are you a perfectionist? Hmm. And, and two-part question. And are there times when it is okay to not be a perfectionist if you are? that's what I was going to say. Cause I, there, in some ways I am, there are like little things that I, we've mentioned throughout these podcasts that is just like ridiculously like perfectionism, like yeah. redoing the drywall behind kitchen cabinets that no one will ever see, like texturing it, painting yeah. it, all that stuff that, yeah, there's little things craftsmanship wise where it's like, you have to have all the screws lined up and clocked and, so they look uniform and, and so it bugs me. Like I see people just like a oh, screw go here, screw go there. And it's like, they're not all measured out and pre-drilled. And like, that's, uh, I was just yeah. doing a, a deck at my sister, helping my sister with a deck. And it's like, I would be measuring out where all the screws are. So they're even from the edges and they like all lined up and it's like, it's a deck, you know? Yeah. Well, so there are uh, things yeah. like that where. It bugs me, but then there's times where it's just like, 
you know what? It's just a jig that I'm going to throw away after this project's over. And why am I going to all this trouble and things like that? So there are things that, that I'll go overboard on that bug me. And then there's sometimes where it's just like, you know, let it go. Let's get this done and, and move on type thing. So, well, and that's what I was going to say. I, I'm glad that I, so I I just finished uh, attaching the top to that uh, picnic table uh, today while you were out at lunch. And I'm glad I got it Mm -hmm. attached and loaded in my truck before you got back because I didn't pre, I didn't measure those screws. They're just (laughs) haphazard wherever I could fit the drill. Yeah. Which is underneath the table. So it's like, I would go to that trouble, but nobody's ever going to see it. So it's like, who cares? Yeah, and that's so. I guess that's what I'm getting at, right? Is that it, it was a question? It came up last week. Did we build? We built that picnic table when you were gone, right? You built the top the yep. day that I left. I remember so. complaining about it. I'm John to help me with the top. Um, <laughs> well, and it, so the whole thing was a combination of two two discussions I had. So, so basically, that, that's what my editor letter this next issue of Hopwood is about, is perfectionism and the pursuit of perfectionism or the, the pursuit of perfection. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's something that I've had a discussion with Becky on. And I also had a discussion with Danielle, uh, my designer at Hopwood. Because she asked me last week when she was visiting, she said, are you a perfectionist? And I said, absolutely not. Like... I'm not, and I will be the first one to tell you that, but I will tell you that with a caveat that I will always try for perfection, but I don't beat myself up over it. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I feel like I'm pretty good at stepping back and taking in the whole scheme of things, um, what matters and what really doesn't matter. So like, um, the the discussion I had with Becky was when we were building the top or when I was building the top on that table, I had, I had routed or I had uh, cut a groove in the ends. So basically the, the top ends up being like a breadboard looking end on that. So there's a groove mm-hmm. in the breadboard ends and then a tongue on the slats that go into it. And I had one of those ends stood on edge, put one of the long slats in it and it was standing on the workbench. And I just turned around and walked away from it. And the whole thing fell over and cracked the tongue or cracked the groove edge off of one of the ends. And I look at it, I was like, wow, I probably shouldn't have done that. But he's like, how, how do you not get mad at something like that? Like, how do you not beat yourself <laughs> up over that? I'm like, well, cause I mean, there's nothing I can do about it now. Right. Like, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. obviously dummy me shouldn't have stood up and walked away from it, but there's nothing that getting mad about it will do. And I can fix it. So it's not that mm-hmm. big a deal. So in the grand scheme of things, that crack doesn't really matter. Like, yeah, it was this, it was my inconvenience that I had to go find some super glue and accelerator to fix it. Um, especially so we could stop or continue filming. But the other discussion I had was with Danielle this last week. And the discussion I had with her was her asking me if I was a perfectionist. And I said, absolutely not, but I will try for perfection when I can. Um, in particular, I was working on a, a toolbox that you're actually, you're modeling for me right now. And I'm sure you, you've probably noticed a few things on it that are not perfect. Um, 
there was a couple of issues with a router collet that, that caused mm-hmm. some issues on the box. Um, the dovetails turned out pretty good. I, there's not many gaps in the dovetails, um, but yeah. that that's, I guess, what I'm getting at is a large section of this pop wood issue ends up being a we were kind of joking about it because it ends up kind of being like the theme of the issue is it's the dovetail issue. You know, I have that dovetail toolbox. I have a article on um, hand cutting dovetails and then there's a, um, a hand plane by Dylan Baker that has a sliding dovetail that connects the sole to the body. And there is a project um, by Keenan that ha- is a, a shaker sewing counter, kind of like the one we just did for Woodsmith. Um, very similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is, I mean, that thing's chock full of dovetails, chock full of a bunch of dovetails you don't actually even see. And, you know, I don't want people to be scared of any of these projects because it's like, oh my God, that's so many dovetails. And I'm not going to try it because it's not going to look good. And, you know, I, I guess my biggest fear is somebody would be turned off by them, you know, be turned off by all those right. dovetails, which. For some reason, you know, dovetails and hand-cut dovetails in particular kind of get put on this pedestal, right? Like, it's the epitome of mm-hmm. craftsmanship. Like, you know, you're not a true craftsman or if you can't hand-cut dovetails. Or, you know, I, I know that, that that piece of furniture has hand-cut dovetails on it, so it has to be a really nice piece of furniture, which is just, I mean, it's just not the case. Um, right. So, I guess... Uh, what I'm getting at with this whole thing is it, it's interesting to me that people always try to be perfectionists when in the grand scheme of things, there are very, very, very few times where perfection really, really matters. You know, I think it's a fine goal to have, but I always think like, even if I look at something and think, oh, you know, it's, it's perfect, you know, like, I mean, I'm just grabbing something that's sitting on my <clears throat> bench next to me. Like, of course, now I can't get it out of its holder. Dang it. Terrible example, Logan. It's stuck. Okay. So like, <laughs> for example, this is a smoking pipe. Like if this was a handcrafted pipe, somebody might look at this and say, Hey, that's, that's absolutely perfect. Like you could not, like, there's not a single flaw on that. What if somebody changed the shape slightly and it, looked better you know like is it truly perfect then in this state you know it's i guess it's that that type of the question i ask is it's like yeah it doesn't really matter so that's uh, i guess that's what i'm getting at i I try not to rant about it but you know because i know there are no no, yeah perfectionism it's definitely both a blessing and a curse especially in woodworking it's like you like you said you can shoot for perfection Mm -hmm. but there's no perfect piece of yeah. wood and no matter what you do, you're going to run into something unexpected or drop something or a bit will move or you'll, you know, just make a mistake. And I think half of woodworking is figuring out what to do when that yeah. happens. You know, you, you learn the little tricks along the way and kind of like we were building that picnic table and, um, Phil was gluing up pieces and just like totally clamped down on the cedar, which is pretty soft and just smashed yeah. like the fibers in with the clamp heads. But it's like, you know, over time you learn the trick of using an iron and a wet rag and, out. you know, forcing a little steam in there and it pops right back out and good as new. And 
And, you know, if you're just starting out, you might run into things like that and think it's a total loss and get frustrated and start, you know, start over. But I think as you, um, you know, learn, learn a lot of the tricks of the trade, um, you just kind of come to expect that you're going to run yeah. into those things and you just learn how to, to, to deal with to them. Just to be clear, so. Phil Heber, because I know you're listening, John is calling you out on that. Yeah, that's right. Don't worry, I saved your butt again, so. <laughs> No, I mean, it, I guess it's one of those things that I will say when, when I first started woodworking is the one thing that I have always tried to be a perfectionist at, or I used to try to be a perfectionist at because it's the one thing that you can control. And it's really your, I don't want to say it's a reflection of yourself, but you're the only person touching that item. Right. So how it comes out is up to Mm -hmm. you and up to your hands and your abilities. Um, So I always tried to be a perfectionist, but then I think I, I got to a point and it was sometime after I started at Woodsmith. um, And I'm guessing it had, Something to do with, and I don't know this for sure because I can't say that, that uh, you know, a switch flipped in my head. Um, but I, it was probably something to do with us working on the show because the show, building stuff on camera, whether it's a photo or, you know, a, a video camera or photos, it sucks. It's a pain in the butt because everything that is bound to go wrong mm-hmm. will go wrong. Um, and you're always oh, yeah. rushing. People Definitely. are waiting for you. You feel the pressure, whether you're, you're, you know, you're paying a photographer and you're trying to continue to move. So you don't have to book another day with them and stuff. It's not fun, but I think I realized maybe it was the gentleman's dresser. God, that stupid thing. I threw brass screws in the side of that gentleman's dresser and broke <laughs> off like three of them and then yeah. tried to drill them out and they snapped off and I just, I don't know. Maybe it was that, but yeah, I think what I yeah. learned or what I discovered for myself at least is as soon as I stopped trying to be a perfectionist and didn't worry about stuff as much anymore, I really started to, I started to slow down. So I started to make less mistakes and have less issues. I was more um, methodical when I was doing stuff, setting stuff up, um, making sure that, you know, if I need to go grab a three eighths inch bit, I'm taking the time to go through our, 23 inch bits and grab a sharp one, uh, you know, or just being more slow and methodical about it. Um, but then I also started to enjoy what I was doing more. And those were the two big things that I noticed. So, you know, just, it was one of those things. It was just interesting to me. I had two people or two conversations in the last couple of weeks that kind of centered around the same thing. Uh, and I thought it was an interesting topic. Yeah. Yeah, like you mentioned, it seems like when you're stressed or rushing, um, that's that seems when things go wrong. And then you're more stressed and more rushing, and it just becomes a cascade of mistakes. And sometimes you're like, well, this is a good time to take a break and walk away and <laughs> maybe think about this for a little bit. And Yeah. So, but yeah, it's definitely. It's funny because that happened. That happened to Dylan. It was, I don't know. You know what it was? It was Friday, a Friday, mm-hmm. and Dylan and I were both, we were tag teaming our photographer. So we had Chris, our photographer, bouncing between myself and my toolbox and Dylan and his uh, hand plane he was building. And 
and both of us just stuff kept happening. It was like it wasn't the thirteenth. Yeah, I think Dylan looked at me. He looked around the wall <laughs> and it was like, or one time was like, "Is it Friday the thirteenth? Yeah. Because seriously, like Chris's light fell on my head in the middle of a photo. <laughs> you know, I had a collet come loose. Dylan broke at least one tap. He might have broke two taps, and then his handle was off centered. And it was just, it's like, man, it's time to take a break. Yeah. Go grab lunch. Go have a drink at lunch, and then come back. <laughs> then everything will look better. Yeah. Then, <laughs> then it doesn't matter. Oh, funny. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, no, it was just I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. So. Yeah. No. Definitely. Uh, when you're shooting for perfection, like you said, it's like you shoot for perfection, but you'll settle for 95%. Otherwise you're going to be stuck on that, you know, trying to gain that last 5% or 1% or, you know, it's just, it yeah. can become a hindrance. It's like, well, and to be fair, I did, I, I even referenced one of Phil's sayings. My other letter is the half the trick is just knowing the, when to stop picking at mm -hmm. it. You know what I mean? Because there's a point where you pick at it long enough and you just make it worse. It's like picking at a scab. Yeah. It's like you pick it, it's going to bleed. <laughs> it's going to get worse. If you keep sanding that dark spot in the veneer, <laughs> it's just going to get bigger. Yeah. Well, that was a, like, to be honest with you, that was one of the issues that I, I like, I thought I got over the hump on this toolbox. Um, and, if I remember to put up a show notes page, I'll, I'll put up a, a sneak peek of this toolbox. Um, I'm, I'm super happy with how it came out. Um, aside from a couple issues, uh, it's just going to get a few decorative ebony inlays in it. Um, but one of the issues I had, they all stemmed from a collet. Mm -hmm. We had a collet in the photo studio that is bad. I cranked down on that thing and the bit still moves. And when you're routing a stopped groove, you can't see where the bit is, and all of a sudden it pokes through the top of a workpiece <laughs> that shouldn't have a hole in it. Yeah. And that happened uh, in one area. And then I had another area that it must have got, it must have moved as well, but it didn't poke through, but it got really, really thin. And I had finished the toolbox. You know, it's all, it's a tool chest. I'm going to call it a tool chest. I finished the tool chest. And all hand-cut dovetails, a tray that fits in it, um, some tool storage and stuff. I routed the, the grooves for the hinges, which I've ordered new hinges because I wanted a little bit bigger hinges than the one I had. Um, but anyways, I went to put a coat of tinted shellac on it. So it's shellac that has um, like the, the antique maple dye mixed into it just to color the figure a little bit more before I clear-coated it. And I, I did that, wiped it on. And then I always cut it back with 220 or 240 sandpaper. And I'm like, wow, that one area is really dark. <laughs> like, say it's just exactly what you're saying, John. Mm -hmm. It was really dark. And so I touched it and it poked through. And I was like, oh no, it's on the front of the toolbox, right on the lid. Mm -hmm. Like it's in the worst spot possible. And I ended up, uh, I poked it down into the groove. So I had used the vacuum to suck it up and it, it came back up above the surface. And so I was kind of touching it, poking it back in place, seeing how good I could get it to, to hold um, if I super glued it and stuff. 
And I thought, okay, yeah, that'll work. So I kind of brushed my hand over it and it broke and it fell down in the hole. I'm like, well, it didn't break. It actually just fell down in the hole again. I was like, all right, well, I'll just use the vacuum again to suck it out. What did I do? I sucked it right <laughs> off the, the front of the toolbox. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, and this is Sunday night. This is legitimately Sunday night at like mm, probably 1130 at night. I'm in the shop at work. And so I had to empty out the dust extractor. Find the piece that just got sucked into the vacuum that I just sucked into the vacuum and ended up making a plug glued in. It, and it, quite honestly, you can't really tell it. It blended in really well, um, but I will end up probably doing some sort of decorative like ebony string inlay or something on it. Uh, but, you know, just it's one of those things. It's like, man, hmm. if only I could rewind to the week prior. Yeah. They're like, hey, dummy, you had one issue. Go get a different collet. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it, it uh, uh, put a blemish in your project. But it's like, have you ever been um, pushing like something through the table saw with a dado blade or like that with the router? It's like where it's buried and you're just pushing along. It's like, what if it just popped through right now and hit my hand? Or I, Yes. It's like uh, it could have done that type of thing where it's like. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I should be using a push block for this, even though the bit or blades buried. Yeah. What if it just popped up? Well, and got me? yeah. And uh, see, routers are the one thing. <clears throat> I won't say that I'm scared of anything in the shop. Like I've been, been in a shop, you know, long enough that I, nothing in the shop really scares me. Um, I have respect for stuff in the shop, but not, not to the point that it scares me. But routers are the one thing that always, like, man, if your finger touches that, it turns into hamburger really quick. Right. It's not a clean cut. It's going to be right No, in. it's not a clean cut. <laughs> and so routers, I always, I do always use a push block. Same thing with a joiner. Joiners are the same thing. I always use a push block. And a yeah. Joiner. And, but you're right. Like, if cutting, like, cutting a, like, a rabbit, like, the toolbox has rabbited lid and bottom. Cutting the rabbit, I put my hand on top and push down where the blade is. I mean, you're cutting a rabbit. The blade's buried. Mm -hmm. You probably should use a push block still, but I never have. And I, I would expect that most people mm -hmm. don't. It's hard, I think, for the table saw blade to come up. But I've had many right. router bits do that. Yeah. So, yeah. I'd, I'd assume that if it, the table saw blade's going to move, it's going to go down. But yeah, you Yeah, that's what I would expect yeah. as well. Um, unless your stock for some reason is thinner on one side than the other. Yeah, true. You know, but speaking of which, so I had a friend, I have a friend might surprise people to know that I have a few friends. Um, <laughs> I have a friend up in, uh, Ames. His name is clay and clay goes by the, uh, the website name and the business name blind guy woodworking. Okay. And Clay is blind. Clay uh, has, so I'm going to do a little bit of Clay's backstory here. Uh, Clay said he'd be on our podcast at some point. So at some point I'm going to have to get him on here so you guys can meet him because Clay's a very, very interesting guy. And when people hear that he's a blind woodworker, they're just like, well, how does that work? It's like, oh, I don't know. It works pretty well. He's, he's a pretty dang good woodworker. Um, but uh, Clay has diabetes. And when he was younger... Uh, he, he was born seeing, but by the time he was, I can't remember 
he was mid to early teens, I think, he started losing his eyesight due to diabetes. And as he started in the blind school, they one of the, the things they have him do to get really comfortable with their blindness is woodshop. He just picked up on it and ran with it. And, I mean, the guy's been president of the Ames Woodworkers Association. I mean, he does, the guy does a lot of woodworking. And I met him uh, through sawmilling. He he had had me come up and mill some trees from him for him, and I've just been you know been friends with him ever since. But Clay, I was talking to Clay a couple of weeks ago. He called me on some trees that he wanted me to go look at and see if we could mill them. And he's like, "Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm kind of laid up right now." And I was like, "What do you mean, Clay?" He's like, "Well, he's like I had a little shop accident." I'm like, "Okay." This is this is gonna be good. Like, what did you do? What what happened? He's like, well, I was he was cutting a rabbit on something on his router table. He's like, and he's like, my thumb got a little close. He's like, and it got down to the bone, but they reattached my thumb. And of course, me being the smart aleck I am, I said, Clay, weren't you watching what you were doing? And he said, yeah, I was watching real close, but still got him. And that's like, <laughs> oh, man, it's just, yeah, I don't know. It's, you saying, you talking about that just made me remind, reminded me of that because that was mm. a couple of weeks ago. But, but super interesting. Yep. Uh, there's, there's actually quite a few blind workers. I'm sure you've seen the one on TikTok, right, John? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've seen it a few times. Yeah, and they have, um, they have some interesting marking gauges and, and way they do it. Um, you know, I've, I've been in clay shop and I'll walk in, but like, clay, how are you working in here in the dark? He's like, Oh, it's like, I thought I had the lights <laughs> on for you, but it's funny because he has a, he has a big shop. Um, and my shop's pretty small. It's, I don't know, like probably 14 by 25. So it's pretty small, but his is the size of a large, large two stall garage. And standing in his shop he's pointing at different shelves and he's like yeah there's some walnut up there and oak down there it's like how how do you remember where all this stuff is like i can't remember where i put stuff in my shop and i can see it mm-hmm. he could probably smell the wall <laughs> maybe that's i should ask him yeah but it's funny it's like he actually he actually has a youtube channel that i'll see if i can get a link to but yeah yeah here we go so i'll put a link to that on the show notes page too as long as i remember to do that yeah but but we're as of next week or as of this week as of today we have what 11 of 13 episodes done for this season yeah Coasting yeah. into the off season. Yeah, no kidding. We get an off season. <laughs> yeah, that's when we get to do our normal day jobs. Oh, we get yeah. to catch up that's on true. that. That is true. So, or yeah. it's like we take turns going on vacation. Apparently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because so it's Phil. Phil's turn, and then then I'm gone. Thank you. Then you're going after. You're not yep. going until after the season's over. You're you're a real trooper. That's true. Yeah, I'm taking one for yeah. the team. Yep. Even though, although technically I will be on next week's episode. So uh, this season's going to be a little different. Well, not, mm-hmm. I won't say it's a little different. We're just, we're changing a couple of seasons or a couple episodes this season. 
because we did one episode this week that was on location. So uh, we went and we were doing a Logs to Lumber episode, which um, I mean, I think everybody knows was probably my idea uh, <laughs> on, on turning logs into lumber to kind of walk through that process. But then also uh, the second half of it, we filmed this morning with Chris and that was working with rough sawn lumber. Like, you know, how do you take a rough sawn board and turn it into usable parts? Because that's something we kind of, we kind of glance over a lot, you know, on the show. Um, we assume, I don't know we necessarily assume that people know how to get flat, true and square boards, but um, it's just not terribly interesting to watch most of the time. So, uh, but then next week's show, we have a guest on the show. And then the following mm -hmm. week uh, is going to be a, a episode dedicated to CNC, which I think will be kind of cool. Yeah. So I can hear all the angry emails already. Yeah. CNC like, that's not, not real woodworking. Working. Yeah. <laughs> they probably said that people... The, the generation before said, oh, you're using a table saw and a router? That's not real woodworking. Mm -hmm. so. Well, and that's, that's part of the perspective. It's hard to get people to see. It's like, it's just the next generation. I mean, yeah, it's just another 30 tool. years from now, everybody's going to have one. Right. You know? Be computer printed wood. Yeah. I mean, you just put in not? the sawdust and it 3D print stuff. Probably cheaper. Yeah. You know, I, so. I did see though. So we are what last week of June right now. Well, like second to last Getting week of there. June. Practically. Yeah. Uh, lumber prices are falling, right? Did you see yeah. that? Yeah, I saw that. So, so hopefully that sticks around. What did it say? It said something like, uh, lumber prices. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, Jeez. All right. So I just pulled up the NASDAQ. This is getting real technical for everybody right now. Uh, the Break high for, for 1,000 board feet pricing was early mid-May, it looks like, uh, at $1,400 per 1,000 board feet. And it just closed at 866 per thousand board feet. So prices have almost halved since the middle of May. Mm -hmm. So, and yeah, we didn't see like a whole, like, cause we were bought, we usually buy, you know, hardwoods and yeah. stuff that's not necessarily affected by, um, construction, you know, housing, that type of thing. So yeah, it's expensive, but it wasn't, you know, as big a jump as construction lumber, but there was a few projects um, where we were shooting this spring between a cedar trellis and the picnic yeah. table where we had to go pick up some cedar. Yeah, it's like, wow, that <laughs> was like three times what I ex was expecting it to yeah. be. So well, I'm fun. sure a lot of people that that use construction lumber and their woodworking has have really been affected, and they've and, had to go uh, to hardwoods. Yeah. The, the yeah. prices. That's what you're saying when you were cutting up, I think, oak one day. It's like, yeah. well, I can start doing oak two by fours. and Yeah. Well, it's funny because I, so. I did do that. And I might have talked about that in a podcast. I don't remember. But, yeah, I, I did. I cut a bunch of white oak for a guy for a deck. 
it's like oh, that's gonna be an awesome deck but yeah. uh no it was it was funny because we we get that question a lot like hey what what do you guys actually my, my barber just asked me yesterday like what do you guys do with all your projects that you build it's like well depends all depends on the shop made tool or shop made cart or something a lot of times we just use it right mm-hmm. it's very rare that we don't use it if it's a, like a cart or a shop main tool i mean usually it sticks or it hangs around for a number of years and then at some point we'll bake another one and then get rid of the old one um mm-hmm. furniture uh, occasionally we we're running out of room but a lot of times we it we get, gets put around the building for people to come and take tours and stuff um a lot of times we just sell it to employees so there's been a couple of and there's been a couple of instances where something's getting built and an employee says hey you know, we really want that. One of them is the the Monterey cabinet um, that mm-hmm. Dylan just designed and built. He's like, hey, I, I would really love to have this for my house. When it's done, I'll cover the cost of, you know, whatever, like materials or in that particular instance, add some super nice decorative fancy tiles. He's like, I'll cover the cost of the tiles if we can, if I can have it. Uh, so it's just a nice little benefit. And mm-hmm. for the last four years we've lived in our house, and we've had not had any deck furniture. And I thought, oh, that we're building a, a picnic table for the TV show. That's not like that's not that big a project. Like I, I don't think anybody else would be interested in it. So I messaged everybody, said, "Hey, is anybody else interested in this? If not, I'd love to have it, and I, I will buy the wood for the top um, because we have so we we have one like outdoor couch, and it's." They say it's teak. I think it's Iroko. Um, but anyways, I was like, I'll, I'll buy it, get some wood to match. And, you know, that will at least help offset some of the cost of building it. And as we as we started building it, I, I was like, this is like the most expensive thing we built this season. Like the picnic <laughs> yeah. table of all things. That yeah. was the most expensive. Yeah, I would have thought it would have been one of the cheaper things too going into it, but it's like, yeah, there is a lot of wood in the top and yeah, well, <laughs> like the uh, two benches and yeah, so. I mean, I think you said that there was like six hundred dollars in cedar, which yeah. should have, as you said, should have been probably a hundred seventy bucks at most. Yeah, you know, in normal prices, and I had bought some Iroko for the the top. So I had, you know, several hundred dollars on top. Be- I mean, it's beautiful. I, I sent you guys a picture mm-hmm. of it when I, my wife helped me carry it onto the deck and her soft accountant hands are not made for carrying. She said that self-admittedly. So don't send me an email saying I'm accountant shaming because I'm not, <laughs> uh, but uh, it looks great. Um, just was like, wow, mm-hmm. I was not expecting it to be that expensive. What do you do? Okay, so I got a question for you, John. Yeah. With lumber prices potentially dropping, it looks like I it, it look I I don't remember if I've talked about this on the podcast or not at all. Um I've been looking at putting up a building at my place to move my shop out into it an exterior building and the lumber prices have made that prohibitive for the last number of months as I started to get bids that kind of made me 
changed my pants every time I got a bid. Uh, so hopefully that changes a little bit. Uh, what would in, how do I word this? If you were going to build a shop, keep in mind, this is not an unlimited budget shop. <laughs> so if you're going to build a shop, what would be your must haves in a shop? Um, I would want plenty of space. Okay. Um, I would want climate control. Okay. So Thinking that one, that one's on the list. Just tools. With plenty of space yeah. is not, but yeah. Yeah. That's like, yeah, that's kind of subjective, yep. I guess. That's but, true. Um, yeah, climate control, because just like in my garage, mm-hmm. um, I got about here in Iowa, maybe four weeks out of the year where it's like perfect weather <laughs> yeah, that's to be true. out there. Otherwise, you're freezing or you're sweating. Yeah. So it's just one of those things. If you have climate control, you can just work every day of the year, which is great. Mm-hmm. So um, so would you know, like would you? try to and this is a question i'm gonna ask myself and again i'm not i'm not 100 set on on building this building just yet um it's kind of i mean to be fair it's gonna be my wife's call uh but uh (laughs) would you go through the i don't want to say the hassle or the exercise but would you go through the process of putting dust collection in the concrete like burying the dust collection lines just because it's like it always seems like you're for me anyways changing things or moving stuff so it's like to set it in concrete you set it in stone literally it's (laughs) you you know you're kind of yeah stuck so it's like for me it's all about versatility I, i like moving stuff around in my shop i like things to have wheels and mobile bases and so just to be yeah kind of set on any one layout would be hard for me. Yeah. And I guess I, guess that's, I don't have that much, that much vision and forethought to, yeah. to plan it out well, properly. And I guess that's what I'm getting at is it's like, I don't know if I want to, I don't know if I want to put the mental effort. That sounds so bad. I don't know. I'm just mentally mm-hmm. lazy. Like, I don't know if I want to put the yeah. mental effort into trying to plan out where I would want tools and what I would want those tools to be. And preemptively, yeah. like, plum dust collection for them. Like, I thought maybe if this all comes to fruition, like I'm hoping and planning, you know, I thought maybe I would bury, like, a big six-inch line and have, like, two ports come out of the concrete in two different locations. Like, have a port in two different locations. Kind of like we have, like, in, in our shop, we have one. Um, it used to be over by the editor bench, but where the drum sander and stuff was where you could tee off that and get two or three machines hooked up to it. And I thought about doing mm. that, but I don't know. It's, it feels very permanent. Like I have more reservations about that than I did like getting married to my wife, you know? Yeah. Cause it's permanent. That's permanent. I know. Once like, you yeah. like set it in concrete. I know. <laughs> yeah. But Okay, so so you... yeah, it's kind of like putting floor floor outlets in your house. It's like they're all good yeah. and convenient when you have your furniture in that layout, but then yep. prohibits you from moving stuff around and well, and that doing something different. And that was another part of it is I went yeah when when I built this house my out my electrician was like hey do you want you want floor outlets like 
by your couch. I'm like, no, that's dumb. Like, because what mm-hmm. happens when I move my, I haven't moved my couch in four years. And every time I set up my Christmas tree or I'm sitting there with my laptop, I'm like, God, it'd be really nice if there was an outlet right here. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, now I got to go get a 50 foot extension cord to yeah. plug something in. Yeah. But no, it's same. I mean, same thing with the outlets. I, outlets, I guess, aren't as bad because, you know, you get the little steel boxes that go over top of them, the steel covers that you can cover them up. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it feels very permanent to do that. So would you would you go through if you were putting it up like as an external building at your house, which who knows you might, John, you might be moving in the next couple of years. Like, who knows? You might be doing the same thing. Uh, Would you go as far as to put a bathroom in it? Uh, I think that would be really nice, depending on how far it is. (laughs) Sure. From your house. But full disclosure, just put a urinal on the side of the just put a urinal on the side of the building and cut a hole in the wall and you just yeah. have really tall grass right out there. Exactly. So, well, I was thinking like, I mean, a shop sink would be lovely. That's something yeah. I don't have. Yeah. I, I think you would definitely want plumbing just from your finishing or doing cleanup or, mm-hmm. you know, whatnot you need. It'd be nice to have a sink. And well, if you and have think, a sink, you might as well have a toilet. So, well, yeah. And I think retail wise, like, if I go, if I would ever go to sell my house, having a finished space that, cause it would, I mean, regardless, it would have climate control. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just, that goes without, I would not, I would not go through the expense of putting up a building like that and building a shop in it to not put climate control in it for the extra, you know, two or three grand to put a mini split in it or something. Like I think it's right. silly not to, um, but from a, resale standpoint i think that would make the most sense is to put a bathroom in it and if you're going to do that you might as well put a small shower stall in it too because then it could potentially act like a you know my realtor told me it'd be like oh it'd be like a mother-in-law suite or something like that Mm -hmm. so good luck with that good luck putting your mother-in-law up there yeah (laughs) yeah she's from west virginia she doesn't really even need a building yeah so, or indoor. No offense plumbing. to all you people from West Virginia <laughs> that I know are listening to us. She's from Anstead. I love that place. I don't like the hilly mountains, but you know. Hmm. Um. So yeah, it's just kind of it's one of those things I've been thinking about. Like thirty by forty is what I'd be looking at for the shop area, which twelve hundred square feet. That would be basically, geez, it'd be like three times what I have in here. Which would be, I mean, it would be nice. Um, I don't yeah. have that many big power tools, but I could get them then. Um, <laughs> but no, it would be it would be nice to be able to have some like inside lumber storage and have room for a big yeah. lathe. Um, my other must have would be at least one overhead door, mm-hmm. because anybody that has turned on a big lathe knows how much or how quickly a bowl like this. Just, I mean, just a little cherry bowl that's maybe 12 inches in diameter. It just makes a pile of shavings really quickly. And it yeah. would be really nice to be able to leaf blower it. You know? Open the door. And yep. Just make mulch. Yeah, just blow it outside. Feed the grass. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah. So, I guess those were my kind of my big things. Um, 
I mean, there's other other things on the the want list. Like, I would love to. Yeah. Some of this is a little weird. Be, uh, not weird. It's only weird if you make it weird, right? Um, I mean, some of it right. is that I want a secondary location to shoot photos for popular woodworking. So that's driving a little bit of this um, push in my from my standpoint, which would mean that I would then be working from that building fairly regularly. So I would want and probably need some form of internet out there, which I don't know how that works. Like, do I pull the second internet line out there or do I, I don't know. I don't like, do I have to pay Mediacom for a second service? I have no idea because that gets really expensive really yeah. quickly. So I don't know. There's a lot of unknowns. I'd like to hear from anybody if they have went through the process of putting up an exterior building for a shop and what they did and what they wish they would have done differently because yeah, this is something I have no experience with. I can, <laughs> can talk to as many people as I can yeah, you to start, get some insight. Yeah, you start thinking about some of that stuff. It's like adding plumbing and would be great, and then you're talking about using it for you know, work. And then it's like, do you frame in an office area with internet oh, yeah. and all that stuff? Well, I would said kind there was of a bathroom, be... John. Like, right. <laughs> so it's just like, yeah, just put it, slide a desk up to yeah. the toilet. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. You never have to get up, put a mini fridge right there. <laughs> boom. Exactly. No. And, and that was the mother-in-law comes to visit. She can stay in the house and she can work from I'll the bathroom. The <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, it was, I mean, yeah, you're, you're right. It's like, do you, do I go through that? I don't know. I, I just, I don't know. I, there's, there are many things in life that I do not know. And this is one of them. It's like, I just, yeah. I have no idea how to tackle it. I have no idea what's the best. I guess I just don't stress over it and just do what I think I should do. Yep. But, you can always change it. Yeah. I always used to say, oh, we can always change it. Two by fours and drywalls cheap, but not, any not anymore. <laughs> not recently. I don't. Did so, drywall prices go up? I don't know. I have no idea. Oh, I don't know. I would assume just with all like the building I, boom that all anything home building related would have increased probably. some, but yeah, I don't know. Probably true. So, all right. You got anything else, John? Are you working on anything? Nope, that's pretty much it. I've still got vacation brain, so kind of easing back into it this week sure. and see what trouble I can get into next week. So. All right, well, I think we'll wrap this up then. Uh, so thank you guys again for listening to the Shop Notes podcast. Uh, make sure you guys drop us a rating. Give us any comments you have, and we will take every smart remark you have. We feed on those. We love them. So make sure you send them our way. Uh, but we will catch you guys again next week on the Shop Notes Podcast. Bye. This episode of Shop Notes Podcast is brought to you by Woodsmith Plans. You'll find nearly a thousand plans covering everything that you'd want to build. From furniture projects to gift projects, kitchen accessories, workshop projects and jigs and more. Find your next project at woodsmithplans.com.